When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a Smooth Soul Monday edition of Ball Don't Lie. And back to DJ a Smooth Soul Monday. I mean, he's the guy that came up with it. He's the idealionaire, uh, man, Patrick Davis. So we appreciate him being back with us. Uh, but a Smooth Soul Monday intended to soothe the tortured soul of sports fans who might have had a tough weekend. And uh, I guess that was the case for the Astros and the Rangers. Uh, both losing their weekend series. Not good. Uh, but speaking of baseball, uh, the big uh, baseball game tonight is the College World Series finale. And uh, there's been a lot of discussion about whether Paul Skeens is going to be available at any time for the LSU Tigers. Tigers. Um, and from this is from Leah Van. Shout out to. My man, uh, CB, sent it to us via Twitter, um, and she is a writer for The Advocate. Um, and she says, here's a tweet, Paul Skeens is available. This was six minutes ago. We have not heard that he is not available, is what I was told. And then she follows up that tweet by saying, I do not know for how long, nor for how many pitches, nor when he will come in the game that remains to be seen. For those who don't know, Paul Skeens is the predicted. It'll be him or some other guy to be the number one overall pick in the upcoming Major League Baseball draft. And he is the transfer. Maybe that's a big topic of conversation now uh, about how much LSU has invested in NIL uh, to get guys from the transfer portal because uh, not only do they have Paul Skeens, who's projected to be the number one overall pick in the draft, but they got uh, what's his name, Tommy, Tommy, Tommy White, Tommy Tanks, I think they call yeah. him. Uh, he's another guy they got via the transfer portal, I think from NC State, and he's awesome. I mean, they just obviously LSU is loaded, but part of the reason they're loaded is because they did a really good job of maximizing talent in the transfer portal. Both of those guys they got this year, and that may have been what put them on the top, but that's not even the best player, or at least the guy that was given the Player of the Year award, which was Dylan Cruz for LSU. So they are loaded. Yeah, they're very loaded. Florida is also pretty loaded. <laughs> they Both loaded. those teams uh, seem to be in there. Uh, our, our boy Harge called in to let us know. Yes. <laughs> he, if, you are, if you are wondering what Harge's pick is, Harge has LSU winning tonight. He does. Yep, Harge wanted to let us know. I was like, man, take your vacation. But uh, he wanted us to know that, yes, he has uh, LSU winning tonight. And, yeah, I think the, the, one, the biggest headline, of course, is whether or at least the biggest uncertainty is whether uh, Paul Skeens at one point will be available, um, and he's got—I mean, he's got the best stuff in college baseball. Um, that's why he's going to be the number one overall pick. Uh, the game two, uh, game two history was not uh, the good kind of history for LSU. Uh, the Tigers took an early three-one lead through two innings, and then Florida pounded their way back and had twenty-three. Yeah. 
23 unanswered runs um, to put an Old Testament style butt whipping on LSU. Florida's 24 runs were the most runs uh, any team has ever scored in a single game at the College World Series. Of course. I mean, I think we could assume that was going to be that was a record, but that yeah. was crazy to watch. If you saw any part of it, it was crazy to watch. Yeah, it, that, that looked like how Oklahoma does it in the softball. Oh, that's a yeah. You're right about that. That's, that's exactly how it looks, and that's not supposed to <laughs> happen. Even in softball, it's not supposed to be happening. No, that's but they do it with regularity. You normally wouldn't <laughs> see something that would be a run rule in in the finals. Yeah, that's a great point. I guess there there's no run no, no, rule. No, you get the finals. I get, you don't want to. That way, it's kind of taken away from everybody if you. Uh, no, I agree. With you. No, but uh, problem for uh, for LSU was. Um, they left a lot of runners on base, a lot of stranded runners. Apparently, that's their big issue, and it's been a big issue for them all season long. They left uh, 17 runners on base on Saturday and then followed that up on Sunday with leaving 10 runners on base stranded in the first five um, and then uh, stranded the bases loaded in each of the first three innings despite scoring three runs in the first two innings. So even when they were scoring runs, they still left a lot of guys stranded. Uh, we'll see if they can bring more of those guys home um, and see if they can bring the trophy home. I don't know who to root for in this one. LSU or Florida. I know. Yeah, that's weird. I, I really don't. I don't think I have any rooting interest. Usually I can find some reason to root for a team. I don't really think I have any rooting interest at all for either one of these teams. No. And I, no. I don't hate either no, one No, you just want it to be a good game. Yeah. This is one of those ones you just need to be a good game and maybe somewhere through it mm. – like if Skeens comes in in like the seventh inning or sixth inning and then pitches three innings, defying all odds, and then maybe you get behind that a little bit. But yeah, I think it's gonna have to be a in-game storyline. Uh, I'm with you on that. That's a good point. Uh, okay, let's get to the the storyline for. The Longhorns, there are a couple of them uh, over the weekend, but let's start with the one that happened today. Uh, so the big news for the Longhorns today happened to be Texas basketball. We'll get to Texas football and those uh, commitments, but Texas basketball got some great news earlier today um, that they were getting a commitment from a two-way combo uh, guard, uh, four-star Chris Johnson, who was most recently signed with Kansas. He was a Kansas signee, so I don't know how it all worked out where he was no no longer had to be uh, signed with Kansas, but got out of that and now is uh, committing to the Longhorns. He is from Houston, live out of most city. Uh, my favorite nugget that I heard about this recruitment, Patrick, was from on three. So I'll give them a ton of credit. Uh, his quote and it goes to show you the ties of Texas. They are strong. He said, uh, "Another reason uh, I picked Texas is how Texas plays." Shout out to Rodney Terry. Like they said, another reason is how Texas plays. I watched them a lot last year, and I've been in the gym with a guy like Sergio Barry Rice since middle school. And I just feel more comfortable going to Texas knowing that Rice survived and was so successful in the program. And also, TJ Ford is a mentor for me. The things he did there and the culture at Texas were big. So, sounds like, you know, two ties, either admiration for Sergio Barry Rice, who two-way deal with the Spurs, shout out, two-way contract with the Spurs, uh, and, or him being mentored by T.J. Ford. And T.J. Ford is still basketball royalty, not only here but in H-Town, just so y'all yeah. know. I mean, he should be, and he should be in college basketball. Yeah, he, but, yeah I mean, he's, yeah. he's easily one of the greatest college basketball players to ever play, easily top 20, if not top 10. Uh, yeah, oh, wow. I mean, when you talk yeah. about what he did over his career, because a lot of these guys who say they're best college played one season, right? Hmm. And so when you say over what he did over his career, what he was able to do with Texas, what he was able to do from his size, all those things, T.J. Ford is, is just on another level 
of all-time college basketball players, or at least let's put it this way: in my in my in the era, the most recent watching, era. Yeah. There may be, I, I can't go back to the UCLA days. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know them well enough. <laughs> no, no, that's, or, or, or the heyday of college basketball when guys actually stayed in school longer. And yeah, that kind yeah. Of thing. But I'm with the most recent era. Uh, no question about it. And uh, he is, he's, like I said, guys still to this day, this young guy coming out of H Town, I don't know how old he is, can't be older than 18, somewhere like that. And he's saying, oh man, TJ Ford still yeah. to this day is, is a guy that he admires a lot. And he's been a mentor. So TJ Ford put in some work. Now, TJ Ford is originally from Mo City in H Town. Um, and I believe this guy is also from Mo City, not from the same school. I think TJ went to Willow Ridge. Um, he's from a different school, but Mo City still. Same stomping grounds there. So a shout-out to TJ Ford for planting the seeds with the young man. And shout-out to uh, Rodney Terry. That's a great compliment, Patrick, that he's basically saying, this young man saying, oh, no, I like the way Texas played. Yeah. I always give Sark a lot of credit that he's he's a great, he's great at recruiting, doing a really good job. But part of it is his offense is just an attractive, fun offense to watch and picture, your, imagine yourself playing it. And that's what basically Chris Johnson does. He's imagining himself playing for Texas and going, oh, man, I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I, I – I think there's something of the unselfishness of the staff and the coaching staff and as the players that you can watch in the players and they are kind of kicking the ball around, finding the open guy, going to see who's hot hand and getting it going. There was times last season where we saw where you were going, hey, man, get it to your big hands. There was times where you were like, get the ball to Marcus Carr. Like you're, yeah. I get, he's open for a reason. Stop Good throwing point. the ball. He's yeah. open for a reason. He's not hitting shots. Get it to your hottest hand. Get to your best player that you feel is most consistent when no one's hitting. But they are very much built on, you know, everyone can be the star, everyone can take the shot, and let's go get the best guy. And for somebody coming in, especially if in today's game where there's the transfer portal so big and, you know, people don't want to be going to four years of college, they want to be able to go to the draft. If you're one of the top, you want to be able to move up. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to go, hey, man, I want to be able to get my, my time. Arterio Morris, we talked about earlier, transfers out is one of the reasons he doesn't feel he's going to get – is shine enough at Texas. He feels, you know, bringing in A. Smith and other stuff that maybe he's not going to get the playing time and get the leash that he wants. That's probably right. You get a you get a freshman coming in now who is going to be able to step into that role that was going to be meant more for what Arturo Morris was going to be this year and, and get some run. And he's not going to play a ton of minutes just because I think that's another thing. They don't, you know, you just don't play freshman. It With takes a little guy, while. Yeah, especially in transfer portal era. Yeah. You get you, so many vets. You know, you have to, you basically have to be able to figure out where he can fit in, and and it's going to be too what, what he does on the defensive end. We know he can score. He needs to improve his three point shooting, but that's I mean, everyone in today's game. There's there's very mm-hmm. few guys that are actually just forty percent three point shooters consistently. Yep. So all you know, Texas is going to be working on three point shots plenty this off season. I'm sure he's going to be getting to to Austin, and I believe he actually signed the papers today, so he'll be getting here as soon as he can, and uh, you know just start. Getting you know, trying to get that shot figured out, but scoring wise, it's a question of if he can get that three point shot a little bit better, then it comes into that: can you pull people to you at the line, then drive past them and go create? Yeah, and that's another thing. Rodney Terry will allow you to score in the mid range, which some of these coaches today are not as big a fan of mid range. They'd rather you either get to the big man in the post or shoot threes and not play that. Rodney Terry will allow you to do that as well. Yeah, you're right, because Sergio Barry Rice worked the mid-range. Timmy, Timmy Allen. Allen was Timmy yeah. Allen didn't exist other than that. Yeah, you're right. That's a great point about the mid-range. And then, of course, later on, Dylan DeSue. Yeah. Um, with the, what, the, what they call it, the flotation station. But even like Marcus Carr's go-to shot was that little yeah. drive-in, pull-up at like 20, well, 15, 20, and hit that shot. 
That's a great point. I agree with you about the mid-range stuff uh, and analytics. Uh, basically, analytics is anti-mid-range. Tells you that yeah. it's not necessarily worth your. That it's not the value. The value of the mid-range shot is low. It's what analysts will tell you. Yes, they will tell you that you will you will even out and come out ahead if you only shoot layups and threes. That your percentage-wise, analytically, over time, to, you will yeah. win more games if you shoot that way than if you go in. Anyone I've ever seen play like talk about the game who plays it does not believe that. So no. I think there is a middle ground to it. Agreed. But you know, you want to say, oh, no, that makes sense. You don't. You want to take more high percentage shots. But I think just completely going into it can have uh, diminishing returns at points, especially once you get to the playoffs. Well, then you get your skill sets too, right? You get guys yeah. who have varying skill sets. You go, oh man, this guy's got a nice move. He's got the flotation station, that kind of stuff, and then you adjust it. So uh, I'm with you. I think it's a marriage of of both. Getting back to. Uh, to uh, Texas here. It's called Texas football here. So we're talking about uh, Rodney Terry and how his offense is an offense that's uh, leading to him being able to pull some of these uh, high-level prospects because they want to play in his offense. A lot of guys want to play in Sark's offense too, and that's why Sark can keep recruiting uh, high-level talent on the offensive side of the ball, specifically in the backfield uh, at the running back position. Now, let's give the short choice a lot of credit here because the short choice because in this previous draft he had Bijan Robinson picked in the top ten and Jameer Gibbs, who also coached at Georgia Tech, had him uh, picked in the first round. Two running backs drafted in the first round, and the short choice can walk into a living room of a running back prospect and say, "Yeah, I uh, I coached both of those guys." Yeah, and you know you kind of remind me of a little bit of Bijan. You you kind of remind me a little bit of Jameer Gibbs. You know he can say he's the only guy in the country that can walk into a room and say that. So his sales pitch is just unbelievable right now. And uh, he is closing. ABC always be closing. Tashar Choice is closing. So in addition to last year him getting C.J. Baxter, it's his second consecutive if this you know commitment turns into a signee, which we all hope that it does. This will be the second consecutive recruiting cycle that Tashar Choice has went into Florida and poached the top running back. That's wild because Florida is a fertile recruiting ground, and that's a, that is a football mecca. And he's just walking up in there sw- swagged out and just taking the top running back. And you're talking about, I mean, Miami. And right now he chose Texas over Miami, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee. Yeah, because they're all recruiting the state of Florida. Who doesn't? And now so is Texas. That is, uh, that is a really impressive uh, r- little recruiting resume. Uh, by Tashar Choice here in Texas. We knew that he was a rainmaker in the recruiting world. Uh, he is proving right now that he, he may be in the running to be the top recruiter in the country, potentially. Like He's in that kind of conversation. So Jared Gibson is the running back that committed to Texas. He's 5'11", 200 pounds. He is by ESPN. They have missed the top running back. Uh, I believe 247 Sports has to miss his second Ranked running back on three has Messi second uh, ranked running back in the country, and he is uh, by all you know all the different um, evals about him, the different evaluations. He's from the IMG Academy, by the way. Different evaluations say that um, it's a guy that projects to be you know a, a high level running back. Only runs a four five, two hundred pounds, but. In the film, you don't you don't ever see the first guy tackle him. Really good at breaking the first tackle, breaking the first line of defense. And uh, right now, Texas is stockpiling running backs. So number one running back in the in the country in 2023, number two running back in the country in 2024, and then you just 
add that on to uh, Jonathan Brooks, who was, I think, the number 21 running back in the country, Mr. Texas football. You got 2022. You still got Jaden Blue on here, who was, like, number 10 or something in the country. That it will be a stacked running back room. Of course, this is for 2024, of course, but still, uh, Sark stockpiling running backs. And it does make me wonder if Sark will continue to use the Moti back sets. Uh, the assumption last year, at least my assumption, was that he was using more Moti back sets because – of the you know the talent that he had right you got Bijan and Roger you got two NFL running backs in your backfield why not put them on the field at the same time it only makes sense to weaponize them in that manner and Sark did because Sark's a smart offensive guy and I wonder now since it's not a necessity to get those running backs on the field and they're younger and inexperienced and unproven commodities uh will he wait to to use more of the multi back sets until those guys prove themselves or will we see more 11 personnel with three wide receivers or even 10 personnel with four wide receivers because you're so deep at wide receiver and that's where all your talent is. And of course, Quinn yours, who is, you know, your, your top, uh, weapon uh, means to distribute uh, the football. He right now is also a scene as a guy. We just talked about it to a second best Heisman odds uh, at Caesars right now. He is seen as one of your top weapons. All of your best weapons for the sake of your identity are in the passing game and not in the running game like they were last season. So. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think we'll also see some two tailback with Keelan Robinson in there just because he has trust value with him, knowing the offense that we could see some of that where if he wants to try some stuff with the younger guys that haven't had the playing time, go, okay, we'll do two tailbacks, but I want Keelan in there because I know he knows what we're doing. I like that. And he may be able to see something, tell him across or whatever. And But I could see that a lot, too, if not having two of the younger guys in at the same time. Maybe have somebody else who has – or maybe Savion Red, who I know is learning a new position but That's knows the too. offense better. Somebody that has been in the offense for a little bit longer to help some of these younger guys out. Uh, yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a great point, too, because you got Jay Brooks, who – he's, he's a veteran now, so he should be a guy that you should trust at this point, too, yeah. even though he hasn't – Proven it to a large degree. I think he's definitely. The he doesn't have the playing time, but he he's time. he's got the practice time. Yeah, um, man, that's a, that's a that's a nice haul of backs, though. It really yeah. is. And like I say, give Tashar Choice a ton of credit. That by the way, that's a. If some people have him, or at least some services have him as a five star. So that would be the seventh five star for Sark in the first three classes, if that's the case. Um, that would be as many as these seven classes prior, going back to Charlie Strong's first year. So Sark is doing the damn thing. Uh, and now it's just the thing that none of them could do, which is develop the talent. Uh, yeah, but I would say last year was better. No, last no, exactly. I'm, not, I'm yeah. not putting Sark in that equation. Yes. I'm putting the coaches oh, before him. Yes. I no. don't want to put him in there because he hasn't had the time yet to do it. But the other coaches, one of the reasons why they are not coaching here anymore is because player development really tailed off. Uh, no question. And uh, another thing that tailed off was the offensive line recruitment at Texas and, th- of course, development there. Uh, right now, Shout out to the Pancake Factory. Uh, BMDs. Um, Shout out to the people who thought of the Pancake Factory. Yes. Shout out to them as well. And I know, I know Kyle Flood's doing a great job, so I'm not trying yeah, yeah. to disrespect Kyle Flood and his efforts. He's killing it. But it does make it easier to have the Pancake Factory, guys. Come on now. I mean, that is uh, 50 Gs uh, a year for every scholarship offensive lineman. So shout out to the It's a the nice pancake. way to start the conversation. Right. The, if I pick up the phone and someone's talking to me and it starts with 50 Gs, Come on. I'm listening. Exactly. As I said, I mean, to start. Choice is doing a great job, but he, his sales pitch is, hey, man, uh, the two running backs drafted in the first round last year, I coached both of them. Yeah. So I, I can tell you what a good running back is, what an NFL running back looks like, and you look like one. You want to come play for me? Yes, I do. The pitch for Kyle Flood, a little bit different. I, 
And not only that, I want to show you, <laughs> hey, hey, let's bring in that Bijan Musterson mascot in. <laughs> this is NIL money right here. That's what this I'm dude saying. has a mascot. No question. So, uh, yeah, so they get a offensive line commitment, three-star offensive lineman Nate Kibble out of Atascacita, uh, six four ish, maybe even closer to six five, three hundred and ten to three hundred and fifteen pounds, eighty inch wingspan, and they just continue to uh, stockpile big humans. They've uh, in in the previous two classes, Texas signed twelve offensive linemen in their previous two classes, and uh, they you know have one right now, one of the best offensive line stockpiles in the country. And keep in mind, they return all the offensive linemen from last season. Every last one of them that started last season returns. And by the way, every one of the offensive linemen that started last year started every game for them, wire to wire. So the continuity and chemistry between that, that group is right now fantastic. It's perfect, exactly what you wanted. But then you may have upgrades behind them on the depth chart. Guys who have a higher ceiling than the guys you're bringing back with all the experience. So the offensive line is in a situation where it's in a position where it should – exponentially excel next season once you get those younger guys infused into the rotation. There should be no regression on the O-line. If there is, that's, that's, that's a huge problem. Like, you brought out all the O-linemen from last season and you're infusing higher ceiling offensive linemen within that rotation. If there's an offensive line regression next season, I would be shocked. Yeah, the only way I could really see that happening is just more – long developing plays making the numbers look somewhat worse Good. just because you're saying all right if, if we're going full on passing game the defense knows that we're not going to run the ball as much there could be some numbers i don't think the play if you eye test wise wouldn't be regression but just numbers wise to go from we had two of the best running back like there's going to be more carries for a loss this season because yeah. of how many times they Bijan and Roja got hit behind the line of scrimmage and, and didn't get a loss. No, like, it, those numbers it, will change a little bit. No, I, I know, but then that the, what makes up for that should be your offensive line development yeah, because you're going to be so much right. better. But but and obviously Bijan and Roja are ex, you know they're extraordinary talent when it comes to breaking tackles and turning negative plays into positive ones. Um, and you should have some balance based on the play calling. Uh, but man, that offensive line hall right now, there aren't, there aren't four offensive line rooms in the country better than Texas. Like they're in the top five. Yeah. I think that helps when you're getting running backs too. Is he looking that at also, line Yes. Hey man, this, goes hand in hand. hey man, let me go show you Kelvin Banks. Uh, you know, all these uh, defensive linemen drafted, they didn't get past him. That's a great point, though. That's a, as part of the sales pitch, too. It's like, yeah, these are the guys going to be blocking for you. Yeah. Yep, I agree with that. All right, we come back. I will give you an NIL factoid and stat that will blow your mind, and also we'll talk a little bit more about um, uh, Texas football and how that relates to the uh, the factoid on the other side. Quick quick note for you. Go ahead. Uh, thanks to all our texters. Apparently we're supposed to be rooting for Florida because LSU and Texas are tied in national titles right now. So if LSU wins another title, they pass Texas in national titles. That is what uh, many of our Texers has told uh, us. Okay. So there Florida, go. there is a rooting interest in Florida for Texas fans. So uh, thank okay. you, Texers, for telling us that. All right. I'm not opposed to that. All right. Root for the Gators then. I'm down with that. I'm cool with that. All right. Uh, we'll do that on the other side. Uh, we'll come right back. This is Ball Don't Lie on 1049 I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts.
All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104 and on the Horn. Time to get to Rod's round today. Tomorrow, I'll probably dive deeper into uh, some Longhorn football uh, research that I've been doing, getting ready for the season. Um, so we'll have some more Texas. And actually, uh, randomly, uh, not randomly, ironically, uh, it actually was uh, connected to running backs for Texas. So we'll get into that tomorrow since, you know, Texas did have uh, some running back commitments. They also you know, uh, signed a assigned com- had a commitment from another running back too. We didn't even bring that up really, uh, but it was Christian Clark, who's the number twenty running back in the country. So, uh, looks like Tashad Choice is cooking on the recruiting trail. Somebody else was cooking in the NIO arms race, and I was shocked to see this. Sports Business Journal, pretty legit outfit. They put up a graphic. And they got the info via Open Doors. Open Doors is one of the pioneers, one of the first companies to track the transactions of the NIL world and actually try to track NIL compensation. Um, and they've been doing it since it became the law of the land. And I see their um, information and all their stats in a lot of different places. And this is another place where sports business journals is using the open doors information and their data. They claim that the top conferences for NIL compensation are in this order. The Big 12, numero uno, number one. Number two, the Big 10. Number three, the Pac-12. Number four, the SEC. And then number five, the ACC, the Atlantic Coast Conference. So among the Power Five conferences, uh, Open Doors and Sports Business Journal are claiming the Big 12 actually has the top NIL compensation. Now, one of the theories is that the SEC, because it just means more, they're still spending a ton of money in the NIL world, um, but... They also are still spending money under the table. There's still an old apparatus in place, old mechanisms in place, because NIL has only been around what, around two years. Still old mechanisms in place that, it, that some of the SEC schools are using to help them um, in the NIL arms race, meaning it's illegal Right to recruit a player using NIL as an incentive, but once they get on campus, then you can give them all the NIL opportunities you want. Uh, but to um, I don't know incentivize players. I mean, you can still have the bag man who drops off a little bit of cash, and you need clean cash under the table cash. And if that's the case, you still need an an underground network or apparatus to help you do that to entice a kid to come to your school to actually take advantage of the NIL opportunities, but to win the recruiting battle with another school, you might have to drop off 20 G's and you can't do that in the NIL world. And they cannot be reported, but that's the bag man's job. Yeah. That's the only theory I can think of is, is that there's still, there's still a guy in Colorado that's selling weed, even though it's legal. And maybe that's the SEC is full of those guys. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'll give that I bet there's, but like, if you want to say Texas, I mean, A and M spent a ton of money. They spent a ton of money. So, if we want to say Texas has, I, I'm imagining A and M is close to Texas in amount of money they're spending in NIL. Maybe not overall in all sports, but at least in football. 
I would assume that they're somewhat close because we've seen the recruiting classes they've brought in. We've seen the, you know, the 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 people who may not have a job there anymore saying, "Look up at these booths. That's look up these, mm-hmm. look up where the, these people are paying for you." Like that. so, even then, you would assume that the SEC would come up a little bit. I I mean, I get Texas as a state for Texas Tech, for TCU, for Baylor, all those schools that are in the Big Twelve. I, I probably has a little different mindset of how they spend money in NIL that I think there's a lot more chess sticking out that you're maybe sticking out that we're spending more money and Texas kind of made it that way as a plan early on to really make it, hey, man, let's make ourselves the the, the best team at NIL. No, it, it's it, I guess it, it's surprising to me. I, guess I think there are different variables that could lead to this and it could just be underreported. The SEC just doesn't report their stuff. Yeah, they I would assume that that's part too. of it too. Yeah. yeah, they just like, you know what? They just don't report it. And maybe they're supposed to and they don't give a damn. Or maybe yeah. their, their state law doesn't require them to report certain things because Texas just changed their NIL state law where now there's more privacy for the NIL deals and the partners. So you can't get as much information that's not out there as much as it used to be. So they maybe it could be that too. Maybe they just don't have uh, access to a lot of the records. I'm not sure. And a lot uh, of those NIL deals as well are deals where you have to, there is something you're giving, like you are being hired to do something. So whether it's appearances or something, whatever it is, you're you're not just getting paid. Like there's appearances or autograph signings or whatever else yes. for your name, image, and likeness. And on bags, there isn't. Yeah. You can, you. And they're tax free. They're tax free. Tax hey, free. Hey, here, man, it's 20 G's. Go win. That's or, it. Or 20 G's, like, hey, man, I just need you to make sure you're committing to us and yeah, not no, to. Yeah, no, we can't. Go play school. football. Yeah. I'm paying you to play football. No, I don't I, care about the others. So there may be some of that still going around where people are just like, hey, man, let's not report anything. Let's just do because that's how we've always done it. The, the Bagman the bag definitely still exists. I just I do believe at one point there will be a transition to make the bad the bag man above the table because NIL gives you that opportunity well, I, and the laws are not very harsh. They're not very restrictive. There aren't a lot of penalties. So I think now the old apparatus is still in place. Um, and there will some some schools will always have a bag man. That's just the way yeah. they're going to operate. This, I, you know, some not some I shouldn't say schools. Some boosters and donors will always have a bag man. That's yeah. how they work. And I'll, yeah. I'll I'll give you a, a time frame too. Uh, when college football playoffs eventually takes over for NCAA, and when they start to push those NCAA down, and there is an actual group that may be able to enforce some laws and rules, then I think maybe you'll see people be like, "Hey, let's play by the rules now," because I don't think anybody in the SEC is really worried about the NCAA. Uh, well, nobody's worried about this. I don't yeah. think it's just <laughs> unfortunately, no, unfortunately. I don't know if it's fortunately, uh, unfortunately, but nobody's worried about the NCAA. Not even no people breaking the rules or outside the rules. They, yeah. They're a non-factor right now. Yeah. So, don't even so you're it. like, why do we got to change and do things their way? No, I agree with you on that. So it's just it was a it was a mind blowing figure. I it thought is, I bring it up. A, and, uh, and and sorry, go ahead uh, real quick. Go. Ahead. No, I agree. I was just saying. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that is, is a really weird number. I can't. And, and by the way, we know that. At least eighty plus percent of this has to be football and men's basketball, just based on the numbers from the uh, Austin Business Journal. I'll give them credit because they had a great write up about NIL um, in the state of Texas and the University of Texas, and in their uh, uh, in their story, they had eighty one percent. Actually, I think eighty two percent of all the NIL compensation at Texas um, was basically football and men's basketball. And then the rest divided up between the other sports. Softball was third. Women swimming and diving was fourth. Women's basketball was fifth. 
men's swimming and diving was six, women's volleyball was seven, men's golf eight, men's track and field nine, and yeah, baseball was tenth. We talked about this. Um, and in our compensation, which is not good. So it can't be the other sports, is my point. Like it's yeah. not it's not like the all oh, the other sports in the Big Twelve, they're flourishing, and that's what it is. No, no, we're talking about football, we're talking about the revenue generating sports. This is about football and men's basketball. So it's gotta be something else because just the SEC is definitely spending money. Yeah. Tons of it. Yeah, I mean they're spending money in baseball. Exactly. Wait, look at what the world just got Paul Skeens and the finals <laughs> is right now. Yeah, exactly. And I guarantee they're spending the money on that too. Which by the way, we'll say, uh, since Texas didn't go to the college world series, all your saved up money for jello shots, put the Texas one fund and uh go get go uh help out them baseball players and let's get them better than tenth. Yeah, TexasOneFund.org. No, seriously. It is uh tit- baseball you're talking about a, it's supposed to be a blue blood foot uh, baseball program. Come on. Now. And they're tenth in NIL compensation at Texas. Yeah, that's that's not good. That's not I mean, good look, I will say I'm gonna take the positive. I think it's good for other sports that people are donating there as well. Oh, it's so great. that is very good, but I think baseball tenth if they're fifth or six, I maybe could believe it more. There you Ten go. Tenth just seems very low. I mean, like I said, shout out to softball. Softball's killing it. Softball yeah. has the third most NIL compensation at Texas out of all the different sports. Third. The ladies are killing it. Uh, and then women swimming and diving is fourth. Women's basketball is fifth. Yeah. Shout out to women's basketball. Just announced December 3rd. UConn coming to Moody Center. Yeah. Going to have a big game there. Oh, nice. That'll Texas be cool. Texas UConn at the Moody yeah. Center. Um, so, yeah, that's it's really interesting about the NIL. Where I will say that the boosters and donors that I talked to prior to NIL becoming the law of the land are right around the time it's become the law of the land. They're setting up the directives and the collectives. And directive is just one sugar daddy, and the collective is a bunch of sugar daddies or sugar mamas, you know. You got opportunity, whatever. As long as you got the cash, nobody cares. Uh, but it, they, they told me straight out that Texas plans on being the NIL capital of major college sports. And if you look at the op- the same company that um, Sports Business Journal got their information from and uh, the same company I was talking about, Open Doors, the CEO, Blake Lawrence, he, in that story from Austin's Business Journal, claimed that out of the hundreds of millions of dollars they tracked and thousands of transactions, hundreds of thousands of transactions they tracked, um, he said Texas athletics is number one in the country in their data set when it comes to NIL compensation for student-athletes. Um, so it's an arms race, though. So just because you're right now leading doesn't mean you're going to continue to to lead. But a big part of why the Big 12, I'm assuming, is in the lead of NIL compensation when it comes to Power 5 Conference is because Texas right now is a rainmaker in the NIL world. But they got to continue to do it because every team's trying to catch up to Texas and to everybody else who's uh, leading the NIL arms race right now. So and I I don't know how you compete without it. Look at exit. Patrick's brought up LSU. LSU's held two of their top with four best players. They got in the transfer portal. Yeah, Skeens and uh, Tommy. I think his name is White. If I'm not mistaken, Tommy Tanks. I think they call him anyway. Uh, but yeah, that's new. and then we text, we talked about basketball. I mean that's the that's the way of the world now in basketball. You have a new look roster every year. Yeah, just because you're gonna rebuild it every year through the portal. Yeah, because you're going to go out and the people are going to try and find playing time or whatever, and and not wait it out anymore. Yeah. And if you if you're not if your draft spot doesn't go up, then people don't necessarily want to. I mean, and shout out for guys like Tyrese Hunter and, and Dylan DeSue, both coming back and playing for Texas. Both could have transferred. Both could have. Dylan Mitchell, all could have. So there are guys. I don't want to say nobody does it because guys do stick around and yeah. uh, and play. But yeah, it is it is very much. But that's also because Texas 
raising the money to keep him. That's part of it. Like Dylan DeSue coming back. Let's not act like, you know, he wasn't compensated for that decision. Yeah. And he should have been. I'm Good sure Dylan Mitchell was compensated for his decision. I'm sure Tyrese Hunter was compensated for his decision. It's part of it. That is part of it. Uh, Texture says, I am a former uh, forum um, under in the weed game. Former for- I think a, I think you want to say a forum funder, so say in the weed game. And the underground market will always exist because it's cheaper for the consumer and more money for the grower. Same thing in sports. Eh? There you go. So there'll always be an underground market for it, uh, even when you try to make it above board. But, yes, yeah, interesting that for uh, right now, maybe the SEC, maybe they're more underground than most of the Power Five conferences. That would be my that'd be my one theory I throw out there as to why they are fourth on that list. Yeah, it's either that or they're just not reporting anything. But which would both sound very SEC like. Yes. You would well, you want to know what we're doing? No, thank you. Yeah, exactly. But the state law, to hell with the state law. <laughs> it's the SEC. The SEC law. All right, that's what we're talking about. All right, we come back. We'll get into another off the record on the other side, right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful nine horn. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 1049 The Horn. Oh, man. What movie do I remember this from? Is it My Best Friend's Wedding? It's like a random scene in a rom-com where this is like a big song. Like they break out into song. And they sing this song. Sounds like something I would not know. (laughs) It is definitely My Best Friend's Wedding, I believe it is. I don't know why I know that. I shouldn't know that. But Smooth Soul Monday. This is the... Sarita Franklin? Who's it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if she's the original or after that, but I know it's like a famous song people have done over and over again. Uh, but yes, I do remember that randomly. Also, uh, since we're uh, getting into kind of a random topics of conversation, Patrick, last week when you missed the whole week, dude, I never got your opinion on the sub, the submersal, and the billionaires that was submerged. Remember they went yeah. down looking for the wreckage of the Titanic in the submersal that was a obviously shoddy uh you know kind of makeshift submersal we learned later yeah. on that he took all these shortcuts and uh that he basically made his own rules and follow all the industry standards and that's a big part of why they had such a obviously disastrous uh outcome to that situation but what were your thoughts because I, I mean i know you didn't follow it follow it because you were on vacation yeah. but what were you even compared did it was it compelling at all to you no not, not really at all. i kind of stayed away from okay. it i look I could tell you that when I saw photos of it, it made me claustrophobic just seeing. Oh, I was like, "How could it not?" I'm like, "Why?" I couldn't. I couldn't imagine if you paid me a bunch of money to be like, "Hey, just take this to go in the Gulf of Mexico." I'd be like, "Nah, I'm good." <laughs> like, I'm gonna freak out ten seconds into this. You wouldn't. And even- then they're just gonna be like, "Oh yeah, we haven't." Like, we're still above water. I'm like, "No, no." You, you wouldn't go into Lady Bird Lake with that? No, <laughs> no. Freak out immediately. Let I know. Me out, they- let me out. And then they, but then you learn like they actually welded them, like welded it shut and all that because they had to because of the pressure. Yeah. It was, it was very sad. I just wanted yeah. to get your thoughts about it because we hadn't talked about no, it. That was, uh, no, that was no that that freaks me out. That, no. Yeah, no, no, I'm with you. I don't, are you naturally claustrophobic or did that just make you claustrophobic? I, I've had some things in my life that made me that way more. Yeah. What's the most claustrophobic moment in your life? I'm trying to think of mine. Yeah, I, I know it, but that's it's not it's not good radio to talk about. We'll oh, I don't want to talk about it's not good radio. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to know that. I think it's like um, is it a was it a which one's the CT scan? Which one you go oh, inside yeah, the big yeah. machine? That that one where they pull you in and then yeah, it's I'm like not the sure magnets. exactly I what it's CT. Is it a CT scan? I, I think, think it's so. a CT scan. I did one of those, and that the, and you got to stay still for like 
30 minutes or something and just making all these weird noises around yeah. you that thing that's probably the most that's probably the most claustrophobic moment i've had but like is that one because here's the thing i think that one you can still like technically if you <laughs> needed to get out of it you well, could you, and you can see like, like uh, you can, it's not, you're not closed yeah, until you're just so like I think mostly that a little, it's more the thing of off. like you're totally closed yeah in. where you're like i don't know if something goes wrong no that's it's over that's one of my nightmares. Yeah, yeah. I got that's night. Like I said it's nightmare fuel for me. Yeah, but I don't, I don't go. You know I don't mess with the ocean. I I have so much I, respect for the no, ocean. I, look, and the, I would never go that deep into her. No, look, I. You know what? I meant that as a mother. <laughs> <laughs> I meant that as a mother earth. Sorry. Look, Ron knows when to pull out of the ocean. <laughs> I meant as mother earth. Yeah. No, I know. That's, yeah. It just sounded bad. I apologize. But yes, I I respect the ocean too much to do stuff like that. Deep sea fishing. MRI machine. That's what they're saying. MRI. MRI machine. Thank you. MRI that's what machine. Saying. Thank you very much. I We're not doctors. Clearly, uh, I'm terrible <laughs> at that kind of stuff. Obviously. Uh, all right. Uh, getting uh, back to uh, the topic at hand. Let's get back to the sports. We'll talk NBA on the other side. Right here on Ball Don't Lie. Wonderful, none horn.